Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of Political Straight Talk. And... We are coronavirus-free here. At least we think so. Mark did sneeze and get put in quarantine yesterday. They gave him some lime juice, and he was good. So, I want to know what everybody else wants to know, and that is, what in the hell are the Democrats smoking? Because they must have something pretty good to think that they are going to get anywhere near majorities in these chambers. Okay, blows my mind how stupid these people are. All right, so let us get into the news of the day. And we're going to start out with probably one of the dumbest things that I've seen this week. And that is... Our good boy, Jesse Smollett, filed with the Illinois Supreme Court to have his charges thrown out and that the judge violated his oath by appointing a special prosecutor. Um, that's all I'm going to say is, um, of course, they ruled that he was stupid and bye-bye. So let's talk about tragedy. Um, Here in Tennessee, in Upper East Tennessee where I'm at, we have had a case where um, we've been looking for a 15-month-old baby. And sadly, last night, late into the night, they found the young lady, the 15-month-old deceased on the grandfather's property. Now, having said that, before anybody thinks, oh my gosh, the grandfather's the one that reported her missing. Um, I went and looked at the map of the property and uh, Tammy had told me it was massive. I knew it was a big splotch, but I didn't realize how big of a splotch it was. So it is entirely possible that somebody put her little body there without the grandfather knowing. Um, The cops aren't releasing much of anything, but I can tell you that without doubt, one of those family members killed that little girl, and if I had to put my money on it, I'd say the grandmother. Grandmother. Now, somebody, um, somebody tripped off the cops yesterday. I'm assuming the reward money finally got higher um, and was enough for them to rat out whomever. But phone call was made and the baby was found. Last I heard, it was over $60,000. It is up to $74,000 as of yesterday. 
ना All right, so the Dixie Chicks. We're, we're going to go into the Dixie Chicks. Well, why not the mother? Um, I don't think the mother did it. I think but the mother... She gave, but she gave false information to uh, the police. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean anything. Well, I know, but, you know, if you were so damn concerned about your children, you know, or your child... It doesn't. It doesn't mean that she's mother of the year. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to read this article real quick. I I don't really think I, I begin to understand. Just I don't think these two understand how stupid they are. But I, I'm going to read this article. So everybody just hang loose. And you guys, for those of you that have known me a long time, know that this is one of my pet peeves with this group. Um. And I will explain here in a moment. But the Dixie Chicks released a song this week after a 14-year hiatus. But despite the release, the trio revealed they feel left out of country music's industry. The band, comprised of Natalie Maines, Emily Robinson, and Marty McGuire, flew under the radar for over the last decade. Now they're setting the record straight about the 2003 backlash that halted their career. While speaking to Allure, lead singer Maines spoke on behalf of all three women when she declared... They do not feel accepted by the country music world. No, absolutely not. When we started doing this music, I liked the people in our industry. We always waved that country flag when people would say it wasn't cool. And then to see how quickly the entire industry turned on us. I was shocked that people thought that we were different than what we were. I always felt like we were so genuine. Maines was referring to the group receiving severe backlash in 03 after Maines told the London audience that they were ashamed President George W. Bush was from Texas. Just so you know, we're on the good side with y'all. We do not want this war, this violence, and we're ashamed that the President of the United States is from Texas. Public spat caused radio stations to pull the band's song off the airwaves. The Dixie Chicks' last album was in 2006, Taking the Long Way. It won Grammy Awards for Album of the Year and Best Country Album. In 2016, they helped celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Country Music Awards and took the stage with Beyonce to help her perform her song, Daddy Lesson. The award-winning trio first confirmed their return to the music world last June when Maines took to Instagram to tease that they were working on some new songs. While it's been more than a decade since the release of their last album, the Dixie Chicks seem to still be sticking to their roots and their values. When asked if Maines would take back the moment she addressed the London crowd with comments about now former President Bush, she said no. Oh, that's an interesting question, Maine said. I have no regrets, but the responsive part of me doesn't want to put people through shit. Before the group's hiatus, the Dixie Chicks won 13 Grammy Awards, had four albums under their belt, and sold more than 30 million records. Backlash or not, the trio said a lot of work went into getting the album ready, but they will not base their value as musicians on the number of records sold. I prefer my kids. I prefer my kids like me. What? Okay, whatever this is, it's not written properly, but I prefer my kids like me than having a number one record. It doesn't mean that I won't be grateful when it happens. Okay. So, let me just go ahead and um, say a few things here. Number one, okay, I, I was beginning to kind of relax off of this group 
And as a matter of fact, I have allowed my son to play wide open spaces within my earshot, not really said anything. Okay? But I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, at the Thompson Bowling Arena in 2003 when those three bitches took the stage. Those three bitches come out, they begin to sing. A banner dropped out of the ceiling that said F-U-T-K, which was short for F-U Toby Keith. They went into another song, Traveling Soldier. When they went into Traveling Soldier, which I know every word to because I really liked that song, a banner with President Bush's face and a bullet hole in his head dropped out of the ban- out of the rafters. God. Let me explain something. This was a sold-out concert that barely a 1,000 people showed up to. I showed up because I paid $62 for each of my damn tickets, and I was showing up. Okay? The show didn't start until after 10 o'clock because they couldn't get people in there, and this was supposed to be a CMT video shoot. Okay. They went out and were begging for people to come into that concert for free. People still wouldn't come in there. Okay? And while people want to say that we're wrong to be so upset over their comments, you do not take your American citizen ass to another country and badmouth our president. I don't give a damn if it's Obama, if it's Jimmy Carter, if it's Ronald Reagan, if it's President Bush, if it's President Trump. You keep your poll liquor shut until you're back on U.S. soil where you have every right to say what you want to. But when you're representing the United States of America in another country, you keep your trap shut. You're red, white, and blue, and that's that. You don't have the same rights in another country as you do in our country. So you shut the fuck up, and you do what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do, and you represent the United States with dignity and respect. And if you don't agree with something, shut your rat hole, and you say it when you're on U.S. soil where you have the right to say it. And I wouldn't have had the first problem with them running their poll lickers if that's how they would handled it. Okay? But you don't go to a foreign country when we're in the middle of a crisis, whether you agree with the Iraq war, Afghanistan war, whatever. The fact is, is that our men and women were in harm's way. So you shut the hell up and you wave the damn flag. And then you disagree with any statements or actions that the president does in the United States, because that's where it's supposed to be done. Did they deserve the backlash they got? Yes, they did. Okay. And if they haven't already learned their damn lesson, you don't go and write a song called Not Ready to Make Nice to the industry and the people that made you a millionaire, okay? Mm-hmm. Then you go on an award show and you perform with Beyonce, who is anti-Trump, go on a Twitter rant about Trump. Country music people like Trump, okay? Simple as that. And if you think your album's going to get any damn where or any radio play by you running your slap suckers, they're not, okay? <laughs> they're not. And I'm going to tell you, and I know that all y'all may think I'm going overboard with this, but at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you something. I saw dead bodies come back in caskets with flags over them, okay? I saw the damage that the war done to people. I saw the people of Iraq and Afghanistan that were living in squalor and crap, okay, until the GI, or what they call the Freedom Man. The United States soldier is called Freedom Man. Bush is one of the most respected people in the Middle East, okay? You send him to Iraq, Afghanistan, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, any of those countries, and the people go crazy. They love the guy. Why? Because he had the balls to go in there and say, you know what, tyranny is unacceptable, even in the Middle East. You've got weapons of mass destruction. You're using them on your own people, and we're going to fuck you up. 
And guess what? That's what happened. And I apologize for the language, but I'm going to tell you something. Those three cunts really get on my damn nerves. Because what do they? They don't have the right to say shit. They live a comfortable life with millions of dollars. And you know what? People like me paid the money to make them that way. Okay? And you want to disagree with what this country does on U.S. soil, feel free to do so. But if you're a musician, shut your damn mouth and sing your music. And that's the bottom line. Okay? Otherwise, you're going to suffer the consequences. In 2003, they had two songs in the top ten. Two in the top ten. They are the fastest group to fall out of the hot to the hot country 200 ever, ever. It took them less than five days to go from they had number one and number four to go to like 1,900 something. Okay, and for them to think, I don't know what they think they're going to do because country music people aren't going to buy their shit. Mm-mm. Okay, that's why Taylor Swift hopped her little ass out of country music because she knew what was coming next for her. And I got another one, old Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks has got himself in a little bit of a pickle over that damn Sanders jersey because while it was a Deion Sanders jersey, okay, or not Deion Sanders, I always say Deion Sanders. Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. Um, he, He meant exactly what people took it to mean. Okay. Yeah, man is no good whole bag cheating wine. So, you know what? Country music does have morals. Country music does have values. Okay, and if you want to see people that aren't following those morals and those values, look how quick they're not in country music anymore. Now, yes. I know a couple of y'all knew as soon as I said I was going to read that story, I'd be on a rant. But at the end of the day, until you've stood at Dover and you've watched those caskets come back, how dare you go to another country and question the veracity of the United States? And I don't care if it is, um, I don't care who the president is. You shut your mouth. Simple as that. My my patience with people like that, I have none. Because your rights end at the uh, 12 mile mark off of our borders. You go to another country and bad map your country. Otherwise, you pack your damn bags and stay there. Country music has turned them down. Oh, God. Well, when, when they did that whole not ready to make nice, to see, they tried to go Christian. Well, that yeah. didn't work out for them. Then they went punk rock. That really didn't work out for them. And now they're trying to crawl back to country music. Well, I just, I don't, and, you know, you guys can feel free to jump in on this one. I just, I don't feel like, I don't think country music will have them. I mean, look how NASCAR reacted to President Trump. I mean, well, they, they were, you know, And, and then people like people like Jabba the Hutt, Michael Moore, that oh, me, to come out and say that the state of South Carolina 
doesn't represent the United States. Well, from Michael Moore's point of view, nothing east of California represents the United States. Well, he's from Bernie Sanders anyway. So. Well, I, I can see why. My, my biggest thing here with the Dixie Chicks, and Boss Lady's about to be on here, so <laughs> she's going to be shaking her head at this rant. She likes the Dixie Chicks. And listen, don't get me wrong. The Dixie Chicks have great music. They, they made great music. They've won 13 Grammys. You don't do that and not have talent. Okay? But after you've been in exile since 2003 and not had a number one hit for nothing since 2003, you definitely don't come out and say, oh, hey, we're releasing a country album. Will you welcome us back? We don't feel like we're part of country music, and y'all really shouldn't have turned your back on us in 2003 when we ran our pie holes and shouldn't have run our pie holes. And you know what? President Trump sucks, and I'm going to go on a Twitter rant about President Trump. But, hey, go buy our album. Um, country what, music's not going to do it. What the hell was Beyonce doing at the CMA Awards anyway? Um, I The way I understood it, the only way the Dixie Chicks would perform is if it was with Beyonce. And they had they had a contract somewhere to do a performance with her, and they wanted to do it at the at the uh, Country Music Awards. I'm going to the loop. So, you know, I, I, I understand the Country Music Awards trying to blend over music and kind of do the, you know, whole crossroads things that PBS used to do. But well, listen, if you if you're going to listen, if you're going to release an album into country music, don't come and bash the very people that you're releasing the album to because they're not going to go buy it. And they're not expecting people to buy it based on her comment at the end of the article that says we're not going to base our talent and success on the number of records sold. Well, that's good because you're not going to sell a lot of them. Okay, and I had been easing up. This is the thing. I'd been easing up on my boycott of the Dixie Chicks because, as I have said, and I will say again, I think they're very talented musicians. Okay, they have great harmony, they have great vocals, and Natalie Maines is a dynamite singer. Okay, but I'm not giving my money or my time to people that feel that way about my country. I'm just not. Because if I listen to their music, that increases their airplay, which increases their royalties, which will, in turn, increase their airplay, increase their royalties. And I'm not going to do that. Okay? And as I've said before, their albums, the four albums that they released in country music, all four of them are great. Okay? Every one of them are great. They're great musicians. I will give them credit for that. But I will not support them. And, you know, I, again, been loosening up on them. Kinda, Malachi's got a couple of them downloaded. He discovered them, and he's like, hey, they sound really good. And I'm like, yes, they are, but I don't want to hear them. Well, I've been kind of humming along with a couple of the songs and left them alone, and then I find this. Really? That's like somebody going to NASCAR and being like, you know what? The hell with NASCAR. The hell with country music. The hell with you rednecks. Well, you know what? I'm pretty sure them rednecks ain't going to support you, buddy. And country music has a long memory, which is why they've had such a problem. Mm-hmm. They don't which forget. Is, well, you're right. They don't. And you look at look at George Jones. You know, it took George Jones 20 years to recover. Oh, yeah. uh, 
you know, from his his issue. So, you know, for those of you that really love the Dixie Chicks and are going to be throwing their music down, good for you, but ain't going to be around me, and that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And the way they promoted, uh, I don't know if anybody's seen the documentary uh, country music that um, Ken Burns did. They've been running it on PBS. It's a good documentary. It really is. And if you ever want to know the beginnings of country music, where they started, where they, you know, took it, and how it's changed over the years. But the problem I had with it is that they they really promoted Garth Brooks. Brooks. And well, I have a problem with that. He is the number one selling artist of all times. Well, I don't um, give a damn. I now, really you don't. have to take out the Rolling Stones, because the Rolling Stones are actually number one with their yeah. genre. But Garth Brooks is up there. And Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks did revolutionize country music. As a matter of fact, as a teenager, I was a huge fan, buddy. Matter of fact, his first album, his first seven albums, I can tell you every song and every word they ever sung on. Um, my biggest, my biggest issue with him is when he said that even with used CDs, CDs that he's already been paid royalties on, that he right. felt like he should be paid royalties if a CD is resold. Right. And, you know, I, that, you know, he's already made the statement, I have more money than my kids, kids, kids could ever spend. Well, That's wonderful. if you've already been paid for that album, why should you be paid for it twice? Mm-hmm. I so, said the exact same thing when he came out with that. Yeah. Now I will tell you, I've not boycotted him, and you know I would I would buy his albums because even his newest album is really good. He had, it, I heard a few of the songs on it; They're, it's really good. Um, I just think that he's a bit greedy, and I think that whole Sanders jersey business, even though he says it was a football, you know, deal in Detroit there for the Detroit Lions, I think there was undertones to it based on comments that he's made before. And I think as as that stuff comes out, that's going to hurt him. Especially if it's ever discovered that he is a Bernie Sanders supporter. Because that will turn off right then most of the country music people. I mean, with all his money and he's backing Bernie Sanders? That's kind of, yeah. Well, look look at some other influential people. Faith Hill and Tim McGraw. Crackhead and Crackhead's husband. Yeah, those crackheads are uh, are big Democrats. Oh, huge! Well, she is a crackhead. Listen, I, I ever since I I was there and saw what happened with that hospital and them the babies, all of their children have tested positive for cocaine when they were born. But because of who they are, that stuff gets squashed. Oh my God! Okay, and I just I have a huge problem with that. What does she does she? We want. I haven't heard from her in a while. Well, yeah. they're both, I, the way I understand it, they're both about to retire. So, going to rehab. <laughs> well, that's going to be their song. I was there the day my wife got out of rehab. My mom got out of prison. The drugs. Yeah, yes, that, that's where that song came. That's where I took it from, David Allen Coe. 
Yeah. I was yeah, there the day my mama got out of prison. I know you don't like George Strait, but, you know, I love the way he sings. He's a talented and musician. He really is. And so is Alan Jackson. And they glossed over these people like they didn't contribute anything to country music. Well, but first old, of all, with, without, without George Strait, George Strait paved the way to connect country music from the old twang of the 60s and 70s, the Patsy Clines and the Hank Williams and the uh, Gene Autry's into the country music of today. And without George Strait, without Alan Jackson, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, some of Alan Jackson's first, his first three or four albums, great music. As a matter of fact, my favorite song of his is called Just Playing Possum. Any of you have never heard that song, so listen to it. Um, and I never talked about it. Whose nickname was Whose nickname was the possum? George Jones. That's right. And the song, Just Playing Possum, it is an absolutely great song. Yeah. They never talked about Son Campbell. I mean, you know, and, and who was on there the majority of the time? Marty Stewart. Well, Marty Stewart's you know, known I, for rockabilly. With, with Marty well, Stewart... Marty Stewart came, you know, Ricky Skaggs, Marty Stewart, all of those guys, you know, all of them lead that bridge. Um, Another group, and Amanda just sent this to me, another group that, you know, I think really was beneficial to country music, the Judds, and more specifically Winona, as Winona transitioned out into a solo career. Um, she's and got little, one of one of my the little sister let's never let's talk uh, about Ashley Judd that's just going to piss me off Yeah, no don't talk about Ashley um, but uh, you know Winona she has a, a song out that a lot of you probably have never heard called Testify called Testify it was a Touched by, Touched by an Angel episode she's the mother of a little boy that's dying of cancer and I'm going to tell you something. That is one of the greatest songs she's ever done. That and I saw it a lot. And that's probably my two favorite songs by her. Um, but I saw the light was written by Hank Williams. I'm not talking about that saw the light. Oh, okay. Sorry. And it may not be called I saw the light, but it may be in your window. But I saw the light in your window tonight. I don't know. Somebody look up the name of that song. But anyway, that was one of her first solo songs that she did. And it was just, without those people, without George Strait, without that 80s group, K.T. Oslin, mm-hmm. Marie, Marie Osman, K.T. Oslin, um, who's the other one? Kathy Matea. Um, who's, you know, without those, without even the earlier bunch, uh, Dottie West, some of those others, right. you don't have uh, the country music of the 90s. Now, the problem I've got with country music of the 90s leads into what I call bro country. And all the country today is what I call bro country. It's all the same. Um, mm-hmm. There are some that stand out with certain songs. But, you know, Florida Georgia Line, they have a song that's pretty good. But if you took the tune from Florida Georgia Line's song and put it with, say, 
um, oh, what's that group with the blonde that sings uh, beer, uh, do a little day drinking? Oh, God. Oh. Anyway, oh, so you've got, I never can remember. Is that Little Big Town? That's it, Little Big Town. And then you've got, then you've got, um, Oh, we got big and rich. Uh, big and rich. The hell with big and rich. They hate <laughs> you. Uh, oh shoot! That other group. Her name is. Uh, oh crap! She sings. Uh, uh, Darius. Talking Rose. about Sugarland. No, that's Jennifer Nettles. Um, no, this group does. Hillary Scott. Hillary Scott's the lead singer. Um, oh. Lady Annabella. That's Lady Annabella. Lady Annabella. Yeah, Hillary Scott. Yeah. Those groups <clears throat> that I've mentioned, they all have that one unique song, but if you take their sound, all of their sound is the same. Okay? Mm-hmm. Versus if you take a Brooks and Dunn and an Alabama and put them side by side, they're nothing like each other. Or take mm-hmm. Alabama, the Oak Ridge Boys, the Statler Brothers, put all three of them together, there's nothing similar. But try that sometimes. And another one that Amanda just pointed out was Shania Twain. You know, a lot of people that really paved the way for even look at the reality shows, American Idol, things like that, you know, without a Kelly Clarkson or a Kelly Kelly Underwood, Carrie Underwood, you know, you you don't have the record labels, the independent record labels today, the ability to just directly put your music up on um, iTunes and Stella. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that a lot of things get get lost. I could sit here and we could probably name through a thousand singers that don't get recognition for their contributions. Yeah. Allison Krauss is one of the biggest bitches in country music, but she has a great voice and her in Union Station uh, have really helped bluegrass. Okay, another one that helped bluegrass that most people would never think of, Steve Martin. Yeah. The actor, the yeah, Canadian, he Steve Martin. He, banjo. Yeah. he does, and he is phenomenal. Him and Ricky Skaggs play together a lot, wow. and they are phenomenal. Okay. You've never heard them. Uh, I hope to take Amanda to the Opry to see them. They play a lot during the week when it's not uh, te- televised. Don't get above your racing. Yep, don't get above your raisin. Matter of fact, I have got uh, on music. I used to go to the library and who's Jennifer in? What? I know for those of you that t- tuned in for political stuff, we got into music, but <laughs> you know, I think that that's your, that's your corner. That's all right. I went I, to school with Mike Duncan's sister. You know who he is? I think it's very- do not. Well, he owns the studio that um, produces Carrie Underwood, Keith Urban, all of them. <laughs> huh. Well, I have to know Mike Curb. He's a jackass, but he's very good with music. Yeah. Uh, Curb Records. Uh, as a matter of fact, the part of he owns he owns a lot of the big names catalogs. He owns a lot of their masters. Yeah. And makes a killing but i think in country music if i have to pick and each of y'all can pipe in on this if i had to pick my greatest 
<laughs> my all-time greatest band is Alabama. Hands down, yeah. Alabama. And can't, can't forget Johnny Cash. My favorite solo singer, male solo singer, if if I had... And see, groups are hard for me because I'm a huge fan of the Statler Brothers, of the Oak Ridge Boys, but I think Alabama really paved the way for those groups. Um, individual male artist, country music, whoo, that's tough. Because, you know, I'm an 80s kind of guy, like Eddie Rabbit, all of those, but artist-wise, I think I have to go, and I know some of you are going to crank your head at this one. But just for artistic ability and musical talent, I've got to say Garth Brooks. And then the, my favorite female artist, Ooh, there's so many that to pick from there. But I think if you're looking for one that, that broke the mold and, and helped shape country music into today, Shania Twain. I'm going Shania because her music, her and Mutt Lang made a lot of great albums. I and for, for her to come back, for her to come back like she did after her voice did what it did and to have that residency and to be as big as she has been, I mean, she's she's as big as Celine Dion in Las Vegas. So that's, uh, that's saying quite a bit. So that is my immediate. Ooh, yeah, I have to agree. Loretta Lynn, too. Loretta. Patsy Klein. Um, You know, I've got most of Patsy Klein's work. I like her, but I don't think she had the impact on country music. We're looking for people that had an impact. And Martina McBride. Martina didn't pave the way. Martina has an Willie Nelson. She's an excellent person. Again, Willie Nelson on his own. Didn't didn't pave the way, but now if you add him to the highwayman, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, George Strait, Waylon Jennings, Earl Thomas Conley, Earl Thomas, Willie Nelson is a lot like Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan and Willie Nelson wrote a bunch of songs that they didn't sing, but they're known. Tanya Tucker. Their their voice and their certain style. Right. Well, if you've never if you've never got an opportunity to listen to Willie Nelson live, he is really good. Even now, he's really good. Yeah, Glenn Campbell. Well, oh. Glenn Campbell again, good musicians, but they didn't really do anything to transition the music. And what we were looking what we're looking at here kind of got off topic was transition in music. Is Lexi still up, or has she left the building? Well, you, you know what transitioned country was their their crossover into pop. Somewhat, somewhat. That that's and what did have, it. If you want, you got you got. I tell you, I tell you, who was really instrumental in it, and that was um, as far as bringing it over to pop was um, oh jeez, what's her name? Taylor, uh, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Yes, 
She remember when she was a kid, they used I mean a little little kid, they used to dress her in those long gowns to make her look country because she was writing music and she was the new artist and now look at her. I mean, she did a complete crossover into pop. She did because she was about to be kicked out of country music for being a buffoon. So Yeah, well switch but you know another one of those transitional artists was Faith Hill. She was about the same time yeah. as uh, Shania Twain. She was very much into pop, too. Faith Hill did a lot of... Tri- well, that was because she did a lot of music for movies. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it, it put her over into the pop the, uh, genre. But again, More so those, than Tim, those, for sure. <laughs> but those those artists that, you know, we've mentioned, that have been mentioned here in the last couple of minutes, they aren't transition artists. Country music was already making its move from the twang, if you you have to give it to the 80s, the 80s group and the early 90s group brought it into what it is. Travis Tritt and those type that mainstream it, Trisha Yearwood. They you could even go back to Elvis Presley. No, I was about to say that. Elvis was a transitional person. Elvis was not country artist. Huh? Um, Elvis, Elvis, Elvis A was I think Elvis was more country than rock and roll. He was later, not early on. Later, later. Hound Dog is about as country as it gets. <laughs> it wasn't at the time. That's the thing. It wasn't at the time. It's morphed into it now based on, you know, the transition of country music. But he didn't transform country. He transformed rock and roll. So, and you know, he led the way let, for let me, Chuck uh, Berry. A lot of the songs that, that he started off with as – Elvis, were black singers that were singing those songs and writing those songs that could not get the air time. Like Hound Correct. Dog. Hound Dog was, was, a, was a black, uh, I forget the name of the artist. The people like Ledbetter. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. Ledbetter. In the ghetto Ledbetter is another one that comes to mind. Blues musician. He couldn't get Blues way shoes, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. White, white artists ended up taking those songs. Right. And that that led because the Elvis came out in the fifties, and then if you'll notice, after he broke the mold, then you had the Temptations, you had the Tops, the Four Tops, then you had Fats Domino, you had all the the Beatles. <laughs> now the hell with the Beatles. Listen, the Beatles are the most overrated bunch of punks I've ever seen in my life. I don't like hardly anything they've written. I can't stand it. And the, my least favorite song is Hey Jude. Anytime that damn song comes on, I want to pick up the radio and throw it. <laughs> Jeez. You know, don't hold back at all. Jeez, don't hold back at all. The Beatles yeah, mind. Yeah, but you didn't have the some of the jokes we had today without the Beatles. Bullshit. Oh. What did the, what did the That's why Michael Jackson wanted to own all their music, too. Yeah. Why? Why did they? He did own their music, but the question. Listen, is, Ed Sullivan made the Beatles who they are. <laughs> you want to go back and start getting credit out? That's oh, get the, the Beatles were the Beatles were huge before they went to Ed Sullivan. They were huge in Great Britain. Okay. Right. So the question is, what did what did the literally what did the Beatles bring to music that wasn't already there? With the four tops, with what did they bring? 
other than that they were Nothing. a British what? boy band. What All kinds of young girls screaming. That's what they brought. <laughs> yeah, and the monkeys are okay. the same thing also. But, but here's the thing about the monkeys. group of them. Well, let me explain to you about the monkeys because, listen, I grew up watching the monkeys TV show. And did you know that that was a fake group yeah. created just for the TV show? They right. never yeah. expected it. They never expected it to end up being what it was. And so okay. when, David, when David Jones and the rest of them, they actually could sing. And when the, the variety show took off, people were like, hey, we want you to tour. And so they were selling out arenas. And this mm-hmm. was a fake group. That's yeah. because the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family were already on television at that point. <laughs> so and they could compete. It just, it just amazed me. That and I never knew they were created to be a fake group, and I was watching a VH1 yeah. thing on them. And but you know, in music, and and this is where I'm going to translate transition back to politics. And by the way, boo that Lexi does not want to participate. I'm so sad. Lexi said to hell with us tonight. Um, no, no helping us out tonight, buddy. By the way, Lexi played in a championship game. Unfortunately, they didn't make it to the championship. But you know what? Lexi made it through the season. They gave it their all. And so, way to go, Lexi. Way to go. And Bella did the same. Bella made it to the championship game. Unfortunately, they didn't win today. But, again, they gave it their all. And that's what matters. That's right. Uh, But music, in a lot of ways, tells a lot tells people a lot about your politics okay in what you choose to listen to and what you don't for example one of my favorite songs of all time by alabama is 40 hour week okay you've never heard it you should go listen to it 40 hour week by alabama and it basically talks about the different labor jobs in this country and it starts out, there are people in this country who work hard every day, not for fame or fortune, do they strive. Uh, and it's just, it's a great anthem to America. Aaron Tippin, very, you know, he, he owns his own construction company, and he goes out and sings about, uh, and their politics match what they sing about. Okay? And we, whether we realize it or not, the music we listen to, the books we read, the things that we do matches our politics. Even down to the fiction matches our politics. Now, I never really thought of it that way until I realized that I had despised the Beatles all these years. Okay? Now, another group I won't listen to is Creed and Clearwater Revival. Most people don't know that that was one of the most anti-war, anti-Vietnam groups and were very instrumental in spitting on soldiers as they returned. And to this day, I I will not listen to their music. And I know there's a lot of people that think they're like, well, how's your one piece of music going to make a difference? Well, it may not, but it does to me. One of my favorite things in the whole wide world is Girl Scout cookies. Thin mints and tagalongs. Love those things. Used to buy them by the case. Okay. 
the Girl Scouts, whichever one was paying, trying to pay for their trip, knew to come find me because I was buying 20 boxes of Thin Mints and 20 boxes of Tag Along to throw in my freezer. I love Until I found out that money from every box of Girl Scout cookies goes to provide abortions at Planned Parenthood. That is their Uh-oh. earmark. And do you know how hard it is for me to walk by, especially this time of year, and see mm-hmm. those beautiful green boxes of Thin Mints sitting there calling unto me, political superman, political superman, please buy me. I taste so good from the freezer. Please buy me. They taught, They only sold them one week down here. They probably sold out. Yeah. And, Not for me. But I won't buy them now because I know that my money goes for that purpose. And when you question them about it, they're like, oh, well, the local one gets to keep blah, blah, blah. Yes, the local gets to keep a certain percentage of it. Because uh, Amanda, Amanda probably better to explain that than I do. But she, they only girl, make girl 50 guess, cents a box. They sell them oh, for God. four bucks. The local troop only gets 50 cents for each box sold. Wow. So if you sell a thousand boxes, you made five hundred bucks. I don't think the work is worth the return. By the way, for those of you that are on the bakery page, Forever and Always Baking Company, um, Enda made a raspberry lemonade cake uh, for a customer. We posted it up there. You should go take a look at it. It's a pretty cool little cake, and according to the customer, it tastes divine. So if you ever need a specialty cake, she's love, your girl. I love lemon cakes. I just do marketing because if I was to bake, it would be lopsided and would not look good at all. <laughs> Only thing I can bake is is pre-baked cookies. All right. So let's sorry. I said, and those are even difficult for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. $12 standard shipping? What? Kidding. Wow. <laughs> you can use my cookies. You can use my cookies in the skeet shooter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Huh? I love those roses. Yeah. It, I thought it was a good looking cake. Well, that's that's the work she does, folks, behind the scenes. Comes out of the kitchen with flour on her forehead, her apron soaked with sweat from the exhaustive work in the kitchen. Wow. And then, now that she's got the flour out on the counter, she might start baking sometime, but that was such a chore, you know. <laughs> Why you're so bad? Oh, actually, today she made in trying to get the kids to basketball. She made um, banana something br- muffins and the espresso brownies, which are seem to be a a good seller at the coffee shop. What was uh, the What was the muffins, Amanda? Banana nut. Banana nut muffins. <laughs> She ain't allowed to bake. She ain't allowed to bake the blueberry muffins no more. She don't do them good enough, I guess. She's been fired for making blueberry muffins. <laughs> they ate all the blueberries. 
They ain't big enough. They want to got canned. Sides, which Uh-oh. is kind of ridiculous, but anyways. Yeah, there's some things are just yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about. You know, I, I really want to talk about the coronavirus, but the more I think about it, the more stupid I think this whole thing is being made out to be. Um, we looked it up on the CDC and the World Health Organization, and I, I got to tell you, this is nothing more than a damn flu. Okay, the symptoms, everything is nothing but the flu. Okay, and. Here's a new shock for everybody. Does everybody know that this is not the first time the coronavirus has made its grand appearance? The coronavirus is also known as SARS. I did not know that. I found that out today on the CDC website. Hmm. Okay. Just is there anybody on this call or listening out there? Is anybody here just uber worried about the damn coronavirus? <coughs> Barbara should. Be yeah, there. I spent the last okay. three days making sure that my whole house was Clorox, and I even went sweep the grass and uh, and, and spent some Lysol on the steps and all, and made sure the coronavirus don't come in. <laughs> I'm more well, worried about the heard... methane that the cows produce. Yeah. R- really? Yeah. <laughs> I know she did not just say that. There's, there's I think AOC has her at knife point over there. Well, if anybody's worried I'm about more it, worried I'm worried that AOC is going to reproduce than the coronavirus. Our dog. Our dog um, produces more methane than probably 10 cows. Um, speaking of politics, um, you know. We talk about that on this show? Well, do you, you know that guy that was executed in Alabama the other night? Yes. Okay. Um, Nathaniel Woods, Yeah, I guess it was. Well, Ilan Omar tweeted. No one should take the life of another, and that includes the government. <laughs> Just thought I would well, share that little gem <laughs> with you all tonight because I had a few I, choice I, words for her on Twitter. Well, I'm going to. little ragged so, just want to get the name in the spotlight. So, so since this is brought up, we'll go ahead and I'll, I'll lay the groundwork for it here. A gentleman was convicted and sentenced to death because he, uh, according to the court documents, lured cops into a situation where another man shot and killed the cops. Okay? Um, Death sentence issued to both of them. Well, the guy that actually done the shooting said both at trial and after trial, hey, I'm the only one that was involved in this. I'm the one that did it all. You know, blah, blah, blah. The jury convicted him anyway. And two two state courts of appeals, state Supreme Court, the federal court of appeals, federal uh, Supreme Court, 
all declined to stay this guy's execution. Here's where I have a problem with part of this. And this is the only part of it I have a problem with. You have a guy that's on death row, has nothing to gain by saying, hey, I'm the only one involved in this. Okay? He admits to it. Hey, I did it. I'm going to be put to death, you know, blah, blah, blah. He clears the other dude who even the police say, look, had no weapon, had nothing. Okay, but because Alabama has the association law, this guy gets the death penalty. Now, playing devil's advocate a moment, isn't there anybody that could see the point of not putting this guy to death? I can to a certain extent, but what he did, he was comparable to, he was comparable to the death of the uh, officers. And for, for God's okay. sake, state taxpayers of uh, Alabama. Well, listen, here's, if, here's the problem. if he showed any remorse, if there was any remorse for, for his actions, I would say yes, give him life or whatever. He Not only did he not show remorse, he had rap lyrics about killing them pigs on his cell walls. He was all in the hip-hop gangster life because he shot three cops. You know what? Let him, let him, uh, let him take his cocktail. Well, he didn't shoot the cops, though. He lured him, though. He lured him there, and that's intense. That's what they so said, it's just as bad as far as I'm concerned. No, no, it's worse. The, the only <laughs> problem I've got with it, hang on, the only problem I have with this is they had no witnesses to say he lured him there. That's the problem I've got. That His part of the case was purely circumstantial. Okay, And then when you have the actual killer that says, hey, I did this, what does he have to gain by getting that guy off death row? Nothing. <coughs> okay. And here's your another question: Why did his get? Why did he get fried first and not the shooter? Yeah, I was just going to ask that. So I, I do have. I, I don't know that I would have given him the death penalty. Now, granted, I didn't hear the testimony. I know stuff, but listen. When the state sanctions the taking of a life, okay. Well, and that's why I don't like taking up court cases without having the facts, because it's it's it's, it's really be. pretty pointless without having all the facts. But the death penalty should be used in the most extreme of cases. Okay. Well, don't you think luring luring killing cops is extreme? I do. That's think one of the biggest problems we have extreme. in this country today. And I think if you kill a cop and it's proven you killed the cop, you get what you get. Where exactly. where, I run in, where I run into an issue is do we, I don't know, I, I think we have to, I think we have to look at that. Because <laughs> one, in, New York, in New York, they won't do it at all. I think, the, I think the death penalty, I think the death penalty is applied differently based on the state. Number one. Uh, which, well, but which it is. It is, isn't it? I think that's but a state law, federal, isn't it? It is. But if the federal courts are involved, there should be some uniformity about how it's applied. Number one. Number two, um, 
you know, and I'm just going to say it. I do think there's a lot of black people on death row right now that doesn't deserve to be there. Okay, I'm just I'm just going to throw it out there. Well, let me just ask you this question. Well, let's just say not, and I'm not talking about any colors because I, I'm really getting sick and tired of people that talk about black versus white. Okay. Oh, I think, because I if, think, a, if a crime is taken, case. if a crime is done, I don't care what color you are. You know that that should be immaterial. Now wait a minute, because this, and you're right, it should be immaterial. It should not come into it at all. But I truly believe. In the 70s and the 80s, I truly believe there were people given the death penalty because they're black. Had it been a white counterpart sitting there? And if you look at the statistics versus death penalty cases. Well, you're in the South, so I'll take your word for it. Blacks are far more likely to get the death penalty than white. Okay? And that's just statistics back in the 70s and the 80s. Okay. I'm not trying to justify or unjustify. Well, I mean, it's reasonable to think that if Margaret Sanger felt the way she did, then there are others who do as well. Do you know what I'm saying? I do, I do but I think that I think there's cases. Look at how many the Innocence Project has been able to prove they should have never been on death row. I okay, think but if you take a scenario, let me just paint a picture. What if, say, hypothetically speaking, somebody held somebody down while somebody else killed them? Okay, the person holding that person down is just as guilty of that person's murder as the person who killed them. So when you start this business of because he lured him, he didn't actually do the shooting, he's not really responsible for the death, yes, he is. When you start well, painting all, those little this ands or buts, you're going to be setting yourself up for a whole lot of people that are in prison for life that were involved in a murder that didn't get the death penalty. Well, See, to me, I, I just think that they that the law is a law, and God's very clear in His book about obeying man's laws. Well, first of all, let, let's. Let's clear up a couple of things. Number one, I never said that because he lured him there and didn't kill him, he wasn't responsible. What I said was there were no witnesses to say that he lured them there. It was all. But you also said you didn't see the, or you know, you didn't have the the court case, all the facts of the testimonies. But I did. I did read the transcripts of the testimony involving the people that put him there, and nobody saw him. That's the thing. Nobody saw him there. And I'm just thinking, and this is just me thinking out loud, we're having a discussion, is that do we give somebody the death penalty based on circumstantial evidence? I don't think so. I think there has to be a level of finality. Now, let's go ahead and clear up the misnomer about the good book that says obey the laws of the land. Okay, because it does say that, obey the laws of God and the laws of man. However, I want, this is this is the trumping factor in all of this. Defying God's law, for, I understand. For only God himself has the power to give or take of life. Okay? Now listen, I'm not opposed to the death penalty. Okay? I am I am a little more apprehensive about it now than I used to be. I'm not opposed to it. For example, whoever killed that little 15-month-old baby here in Tennessee, whoever killed that little girl 
deserves the harshest of penalties that Tennessee has to offer. Okay? And there may be another woman joining. Tennessee only has one woman on death row. Her name's Krista Gale Pike. And we may have a second one soon. Uh, but having said that, I think hope. that – I'm sorry? One can only hope. Well, Christy Gale Pike has become a celebrity. It blows my mind how these people become celebrities. But anyway, so it, it in the death penalty cases, because the punishment is finality, I think we have to be 100% certain. And we have proven – the courts have proven time after time that eyewitness testimony is heavily unre- unreliable. Right. Okay. And I just, I have a problem because if one, and, and I've had people argue me about this, but if we put one innocent person to death, that is one person too many. And I know we put innocent people to death. Well, but you know what? If there's a trial by jury, they're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty beyond a shadow, beyond a reasonable doubt, especially when it comes okay. to things like murder. So there if there was just called? circumstantial evidence and it wasn't like a load of circumstantial evidence, then I can't imagine why they even found him guilty. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you an example. Okay. Is there anybody on this call that truly believes that in this day and time you are actually innocent until proven guilty? Is there anybody on here that believes that? Yeah. I do. I do, too. Okay. Who was the I do, too? Me. Okay. So is there anybody on here that believes that in this day and time it's actually guilty until proven innocent? I think the majority thinks that way, and it's wrong. But that's not because of the fact that the law is wrong. It's because the, the history and the, and the teaching of people is wrong. No, it's because I think of the is so broken, and both sides are right and wrong. I, I will give you all an example. In my case, I was tried in the press before my case ever went to in front of a judge. Okay. I was tried and convicted in the press. And because the media reported it the way they did, well, it must be true. Yeah. Okay? And cameras all in my damn face. Didn't make a statement one, but by hell, I had a lot to say, evidently. And when everything was said and done and everything worked its way out and everything was the way it was, you know how many people reported it? I mean, they were there. I mean, I had cameras shoved there. Do you have many people reported that, oh, hey, we were factually incorrect in our original reporting? Do you have many people were corrected and said, well, uh, this is how it played out? None. None. Zero. That's because they only care about the sensationalization of the the story. They don't care about follow-up. Right, but here's my point. Here's here's the point I'm making. For example, that little 15-month-old girl. There is not a jury in Virginia, Kentucky, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Missouri, Arkansas, 
Kentucky, okay, Tennessee, none of the surrounding states, none, because this was on those TV stations. There is nobody that hasn't seen the search for this 15-month-old. There is nobody in those states that have not seen the press coverage and the mother's face and the grandmother's face and the boyfriend's face being shoved up all over TV and that they're being shown in handcuffs and jumpsuits. Forget the fact that the charges are totally irrelevant to looking for that 15-month-old baby, but they've seen it. So now they impanel a jury, okay? Now, have any of you been on jury for a criminal case? I've been on jury selection. For a criminal case? Yeah. For a capital case? No. Okay. Well, my stepmother, Sherry, has been involved in a capital case. It was a child pornography, big-time federal case. Okay, so I went and watched jury selection. And basically, uh, two of the jurors, after the fact, didn't know this at the time, but after the fact, basically wanted to be on that jury so they could make sure that that uh, child pornography fella got his, uh, and I quote, I'm up. So juries are human and jurors are human. And the only point I'm trying to make is that there's no perfect system and we have one of the best in the world. However, I just think with death penalty cases, we have to look at it a little differently than we do regular cases. And that's all I'm trying to make. And if there's anybody else that wants to bring up a point in regards to that or state their opinion, you're more than welcome to. Before well, we move on. I think well, Ilan Omar is a Muslim, and we know what they believe about Jill, death. Jill, Jill, Bill, uh, Barbara's talking. Hang on a second. Go ahead, Barbara. I just think it's funny that Omar would make such a statement knowing where she came from and knowing what she believes. And... You know, she's called for the destruction of Israel. And, uh, you know, I think that's pretty funny. <coughs> okay. Jill? All I was going to say was that it goes back to the whole scenario about Islam and what they believe and, you know, what their, what their book teaches. And, you know... Um, <laughs> It just seems a little bit odd to me um, because, but then again, it doesn't. Because the whole idea behind putting Muslims in government is to change our government. So when she talks down about our government or any local government, I believe it needs to be rectified. I don't think she deserves to be a member of Congress. I don't believe that most do if they're first-generation Americans. That's just my personal opinion. We've had this discussion about election reform, and my opinion has not changed. Not one iota, especially considering their, their desire. If we don't get it that they're trying to change our way of life, and make us be who they are, regardless of how crazy that sounds, 
then they may get their way because the birth rate is tripling ours. Okay. And you know what? We have election reform every two years. It's called election. Okay. And yeah, well, you, you see how that's worked for the last 40 years. Well, how many doors have you knocked on this past week? You know what? You always put it back on me as if somehow or another the fact Correct. that Schumer and Pelosi and all of those people that are in government all these years is my fault. And, no. and I really wish you wouldn't do that. But your fault and my fault and everybody else's fault has to do with if you want to change the culture of the government and you want to change, you start with your election in your area and you make the difference. If you don't like the fact that... Or you run for office and get elected. If you don't like the fact that Mr. Pence is your congressman, then you find a viable candidate. You go door to door, you pound the pavement, and you get people to believe the way you do, and you change it. Okay, And that's how you get election reform. You don't get election reform by creating... First-generation Americans can't serve, because guess what? They're Americans. Doesn't make it down that they're first-generation. They're American. Simple as that, okay? And if we're going to let them be Americans, and they're going to meet the criteria to become Americans, then we don't put, uh, we don't put halters on them. If we're going to put a halter on them, then we don't let them become American citizens. But election reform isn't about, oh, well, you can only serve this long, or you can only do that, or you have to be from here, or you have to do that. Election reform is going after the voter. Convince the voter that you're right. Get and I understand that your background has been involved in working all kinds of elections, and that you believe in the election process, and that's why you feel the way you do, and I appreciate that. But you need to understand the time is of the essence, and the fact that, the, that, that your way of doing it, which has been the way it's been done all these years, is causing us to have all these career politicians that are creating the havoc in Washington. That's been um, legitimized, that statement right there about the havoc and the Washington being broken by career politicians has been legitimized by both sides of the aisle. So until we actually face it and reasonably come up with a way to fix it, that's all I was doing. Because I don't believe that anybody who's, who has got parents that are foreigners that came into this country and had a kid. I don't believe that they were not, you're not going to convince me that they were not brought up in an environment. Children learn what, learn what they live. And if they're raised by people that are foreigners, then how are they going to be, know what it means to be an American? How are okay, they going well, to know? Off, first off, I'll take you point by point. Number one, if you have met the criteria to become a U.S. citizen, which, by the way, is pretty rigorous. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure most U.S. citizens that were born here could not pass the citizenship stuff that they have to go through. Okay, I took the citizenship test just to take it. And listen, I have a background in this stuff, and I struggled with some of it. Okay, and I've got a background in it. So listen, if I think somebody, if somebody goes through the process and they successfully complete it, then by hell, when they raise their right hand and they promise to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, okay, they've got every right, and and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna critique them. If they if they went through that, good for them. That means they've learned more about U.S. 
history and the U.S. than most people that are born here. Secondly, um, the way I do elections, first of all, has never contributed to career politicians, okay? Because the way I do elections and have been very successful, 14 times success, by the way, in doing elections is that I pick the best person for the job. I teach them how to do the job and how to win the job, okay? I've never once regretted sending anybody to Washington, whether it's on the executive branch or whether it was in the legislative branch. I've never regretted my decisions. And as a matter of fact, most people I've sent there have done their job for a season and left. As a matter of fact, the, the last person I helped get to Congress is on his way out the door. Okay. Okay. Well, no one said you were responsible for um, electing Muslims. Okay. But I I am responsible. I'm going to tell you why I'm responsible. Because it is my duty as an American citizen, when I believe in something, you believe that Muslims shouldn't serve in our government. Okay. Now, I happen to agree with you. I don't think Muslims ought to serve in our government. But I do believe in the people's choice to elect who the hell they want. Okay, and if the people of Minnesota want to elect her because they feel like they meet they are her values, that until she does something that is contrary to the Constitution and the rules of the representative body that she's in, then she's there. And if you think that she shouldn't be, then you ought to go up to Minnesota and you ought to be on the ground every day that you possibly can be going door to door with people and people that believe like you do and yeah, and we saw what that did to Linda Loomer. Enough said. That's how the that's how the process works. You want to convince people. That's how you do it. You don't change the laws to get what you want because when you do that, you're no better than Stalin. You're no better than Hitler. You're no well, that's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. No, they're not because they're never going to have the supermajorities to do it. That's right. Just like Republicans are never going to have supermajorities. The closest we're going to come to a supermajority will be in November when we pick up two seats in the Senate and we flip the House. That'll be as close as we get. Okay, But the House rules and the Senate rules are designed to give the underdog a voice. It's the way it is. Okay, It's how they're designed. How do you think they're yeah, able well, to stop stuff? I, I, I agree that if you start dictating, there is the key word, dictating who can serve in Congress and who can serve in the Senate. You know better than a dictatorship. That's the point. Okay. Now they already have rules about who can run and who can't and what, what is required. They do. Okay. And yep. Omar, as much as we don't like her party, So they're already dictating. Like the point is that she meets the constitutional criteria to run for that office. You meet the constitutional criteria. Simple as that. Okay, so fast forward 50 years when the Muslims have the majorities in every area. What you going to do then? When they want to get, when we have enough of them elected into Congress to where they're going to be able to write laws and pass them. What are you going to do then? Well, let me just go ahead and tell you that the Midwest of this country and the Southeast of this country is never going to go that way. Not going to happen. Okay. It's just not. If you look at the, at the Muslims that have tried in the South and in the Midwest, it's not worked. Okay. They've been defeated resoundingly. So it's not going to happen. 
which is why they haven't had the majority a number of people they're not going to get the majority number of people it's not going to happen okay they might in minnesota they might in michigan because that's where the enclaves go but they're not going to get it in other places there are rules and laws on the books that prevent that stuff from happening okay even in even in corn state there in indiana there are rules okay it's not going to happen if there's any other state that may become a muslim stronghold it could possibly be new york based on how all it's going to take is a majority number of people that's it never going to happen it's already happening in the uk okay well that's the uk but the uk created their own problem okay and france they created their own problem again well they created their own problem France and the UK, look, they're very similar in how they do things. Look at how they poroused their borders. Look at what their liberal policies were. Okay? They created that problem. When they decided to take in umpteen million refugees that really weren't refugees, that's their problem. And we're not? We don't have that. We don't we're not taking in millions. Matter of fact, if you look at how many have been taken in since Trump took office, it's minuscule at best. Okay, and so you have to, and then right now they don't even know the true number of illegals in this country. So how can you say that? Minuscule. It is minuscule. Okay, if you look at the great number of people, first of all, okay, there's only one state in the union allowing illegals to vote openly. Only one. Anybody care to guess where that is? What's that? I'm sorry. California, California. or New York, one of the two. California. California. You want to know? You want to know why the feds really haven't been butt hurt over those illegals voting? Why? Because California does something, and, and, and this really hasn't been talked about. But the feds mentioned it. You know what those illegals have to do when they go vote? California has this wonderful little thing. Identify themselves. Their name and address and so forth. When you register, you get this little thing in the mail. They send it to you. Those illegals, they identify that they're illegal, okay, that they're not citizens because you have to check that in order to register in California without providing birth certificate, et cetera, et cetera. They provide a mailing address. Well, the federal government, has this little system that every 72 hours, the voter registration rolls of the state and the DMV, which by the way, they have to get that little driver's license for illegals to be able to vote in that state, is uploaded to ICE. Nobody's talking about that. The media hasn't talked about that. They talked about it in New York, but nobody has said, hey, California's doing that. They're talking about it in New York because New York has said they're not going to release the rolls. Um, but um, the Supreme Court put the kibosh on that. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so, enter October 20 of 20. Anybody know what happens October 1st, 20 of 20? Something really big happening on October 1st, 20 of 20. They start, don't they start purging? Is this is the census. Nope. The census will start way before then. 
As a matter of fact, the census should start this month, March. There's a little thing called the Federal ID Act. If any of you fly or go to any federal buildings, you're going to find that you have to have a little star on your driver's license. Yeah, our started last month. Okay. Yeah, I got one. No, it's not required until October. That's national. You you can start getting them now, but they're not required until October. You're saying in order to go into a federal building, you have to have that? That's exactly right. To put your foot in a federal building, you have to have a passport or that little star on your driver's license. Otherwise, you will not be stepping foot in any federal building in these here United States. You will not be boarding any airplane that is either inbound or outbound from these said United States. Now, I'm just waiting for the I'm just waiting for the lawsuits to start. I really am. They already why? tried. That's that's why it's taken so long for this, because President Bush actually signed this into law in 2002. They are they already tried what? They've already tried to sue over the Federal ID Act. Sue for what? But. Oh, well, all number of things, but um, they've been all smacked down. The Supremes have smacked every one of them down. This law is happening. It's the way it is. Okay. Notice it's all for federal buildings. It's all for flights. Who controls all flights in the United States? The FAA. What is the first word of FAA? Federal aviation. That's exactly right. So back in the day when President Bush put this into place, the point of putting this into place, and it's actually going to play out a lot better now, is that in order for people to step on a commercial flight, you've got to be identified. And you can't just go in there and present some documents for this shit, buddy. Let me tell you, it is a pain in the rumpus to get that star. You've got to take, I ask them if they need a blood type or retinal scan. (laughs) But the point is, is that without realizing it, Democrats have walked their constituency into a problem. Because how many of these people do you think are not going to be able to get those little federal ID stars on their state-issued ID? Because I'm telling you, there's no playing around with this. They are not cutting any corners because they have been told in these states any corners are cut, and they're sending people in to cut corners to catch them. Okay? You're being brought up on federal charges. The only problem is is that they're not considering the hassle it is for the people who have gone through divorce in this country, particularly women. I don't care. Get your name straight. Do what the court order says you're supposed to do. Stop dicking around. What's Simple that? as that. What's that supposed to mean? That's exactly What's what it means. If the court said you're to take your old name. It's, it's a form of discrimination to require a male to walk in with a birth certificate and all is good. And not a female. And that is exactly well, what's first happening. Of all, so, excuse me, I've already got secure. mine done. My little star has been on my driver's license now and it's, since it's been renewed. So Indiana is one of the first states that implemented and put it through because the very first time I got a driver's they, license in this state, they, after moving they to did, Indiana, okay. they, had it, they had it done. But my point is 
is that that's what's going to happen is there's going to be backlash from females that have, okay. you know, that maybe live in a Again? different state from where they did when they were married or et cetera, et cetera. So, well, and but you have to be able to prove your name. Why do you think You're so many exactly women right. are not taking married names? Well, first of all, it's, it has nothing to do with that, okay, because it is very simple to prove your married name or to prove your divorce name. You know what mm-hmm. you do? You take your little divorce decree, you march up to the Social Security office, you say, hey, I'm going to take my name back now. And they say, you know what? Here's the divorce decree. Great. It's got a signature on it and a stamp. Done. Your card will arrive in seven to ten business days. You take that new Social Security card with your bank statement that you require to shows your address or a W-2 that shows your address with your <gasps> pristine maiden name that you once had, and you march your butt right up to the DMV. You've solved your problem. You're not bringing any extra documentation that I didn't have to bring because I had to take the exact same thing. The only difference is I didn't have to take that extra step and go change my name back. Okay? And I got news for you. Statement. All you have to do is prove that you have the same you are the same person from the time that you were born. You have okay. to you have to take your name. So if you've changed your name being married however many times, you have to go back and prove each one with the change. No, you don't. You take your birth Absolutely you yeah. do. I know because no, I don't. went through it. Wrong answer. <laughs> okay. Wrong answer. Okay, I read up on this. Yeah, we'll we'll have to agree to disagree on that one, sir. Well, you have the right to be wrong, and I'm going to explain to you why you're wrong. (laughs) And you don't have the right to tell me that I have the right to be wrong, because I'm not wrong in this situation, and I can prove it. Well, feel free to read the federal guidelines, because they're all the same. You march your ass up there with your birth certificate. You march your ass up there with your Social Security card. You march your ass up there with a W-2 and a bank statement, and it's done. And if there was anything else, it's because you chose not to do your due diligence and change your goddamn name. That's how it works. Okay? Simple as that. And if you don't like it, tough shit. But the law is the You law. know what? You can only change your name back to your maiden name once. Hate to burst your bubble. But if you're married more than one time... You, you know, you're, you're oh really God, going yeah. off on me about something that you know nothing about because you're not a woman, period. Well, first of all, let me let me explain to you. Okay, I was married to somebody that was married more than once. Matter of fact, when she divorced me, she had been married three times. I was number three. Guess what? The court ordered her name back to her <gasps> maiden name. Imagine that. Because she'd okay. never so done it before. You can only do it one time. Wrong answer. Wrong. Again, Jill, educate yourself, okay? You go outside of your personal bubble and educate yourself. Well, maybe it's a difference in state laws. Did you ever think about that? It's not the difference in state law. It's not. Okay. Okay. These are all the same, okay? Look it up. Do your homework, okay? You got who knew if you had to jump through extra hoops, okay? Simple as that. You can go back to your maiden name anytime, no matter how many times you've been married. Just the way it is. All you have to do is say, hey, judge, I want to take my maiden name back, please. Judge is going to say, you know what, okay. The only time that a judge may even remotely give some issue, may even remotely give some issue, is if you have young children, and he will say, are you sure? Okay? Simple as that. No other other debate, no other questions. You can be married 100 times. 
Well, actually, most states limit you to eight, unless you're Elizabeth Taylor, and then you can get married as many times as you want to. But the point is, is that you can get your maiden name back anytime you're divorced. All you have to do is ask the judge. Now, mm-hmm. let's move on. If you don't have your star on your ID, you need to get it. If you plan to go into any federal building or fly, or if you're smart, you just pay 168 bucks, go down to the local post office and get your damn uh, passport, which makes it so much easier because you're going to need it anyway when you fly, even if you go down to Mexico to have a burrito at Paco's Tacos just across the board. Now, hey, don't mess with Paco's Tacos. Today, Paco did burritos. Go on here. Oh, God. If Lexi's still awake, she'll understand that. All right. Talk about <laughs> methane gas. <laughs> that, that seems to be what Amanda's worried about. Too many cows up there, I guess. <laughs> but I live in a county where there's more cows than people, and we don't seem to have a problem here. Our cows don't fart. They have Beano. Anyway, um, <laughs> so... Katy Perry's pregnant, just so everybody knows. I know everybody really wants to know that. I'm thrilled. <laughs> All right. So this week, the largest town hall in the history of television occurred with President Trump. It had the largest audience of any town hall in the history of television. Now, Why is that important? It's not in itself unless you break down the demographics. The number one demographic of that was the 25 to 59-year-old group. Okay? That is the target audience of every television show, of every commercial, on every channel with the exception of maybe Hallmark or Lifetime, and they go after the old codgers that are retired. So, here's the review that came back. Nielsen, gotta love Nielsen's. Nielsen sends out these little envelopes. I don't know if any of y'all have ever gotten them, but inside of it will be a crisp brand new five or $10 bill, and they want your opinion on something. So you give your opinion, and you've got a five or ten dollar bill that you get to put in your pocket and keep. I never got one. Well, they sent one of those out. Go to Nielsen's. You can sign up. They'll send it to you. Oh. Um, they got back, and overwhelmingly, nearly sixty-four percent felt that the president was genuine, relaxed, and being truthful. He was. He was. Now, right. the catch to that is that almost 50% of the audience considered themselves to be left-leaning Democrats. (laughs) Bad news for Democrats. Right. There there isn't much good news for Democrats this week. Mm -mm. Um, The coronavirus that they're hyping up, people aren't buying. People believe that they're politicizing it. And, you know, Vice President Pence being out there with the CDC and others and really uh, controlling the narrative, which they're doing, and, and they're doing a good job of it. I saw where Cuomo 
came out today, and he's like, I'm not trying to spread panic. I'm trying to spread reality. Well, if if everybody was spreading reality, we'd be talking about the symptoms of the coronavirus. I have yet to hear anybody talk about the symptoms of the coronavirus. I have yet to hear anybody say, hey, this could be extremely dangerous to the elderly because of dot, dot, dot. Or this could be extremely dangerous to the infants and young people because of dot, dot, dot. Of the infant deaths of the flu that have happened this season, almost all of them have to do with what's called RSV. Okay? RSV manifests in you and I as the flu. It manifests in children, young children, three and under, as the roto-something virus. Yeah. It almost killed Malachi, which on some days I want to kill Malachi. But when I found him, his lips were blue and he was almost dead. And it turns out it was the RSV. He was put under for 30 days in a drug-induced coma. Back in those days, we had to wean him off. They weaned him off the drugs best they could, sent us home with some, oh, what's that old drug before Suboxone? There was a drug before Suboxone. Somebody used to say it. I know what it is. Amoxicillin? Um, oh, that's... Bankrolacin? It's a drug to help you wean off of drugs to end your dependency on drugs. Oh, God. Methadone? Methadone. methadone. That's it. They sent us home with methadone and told us to give it to him. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to kill him. Hey, fact, did you hear um, Amy Klobuchar slip up today? Amy Klobuchar was at a a Biden rally, and she mentioned that she was going to be Biden's VP. Well, the rumor mill had it that she was going to be the pick. Because they figured they could pick off. I'm thinking Warren would be the better choice at VP. Because she could help solidify, get some of that Bernie vote for Biden, but I don't see Biden actually going through no. Well, I'm no. going to tell you, the best, the best ticket the Democrats could hope for is either Biden and Clinton or Biden and Bernie. Yeah. That that if you're if you're a Democrat strategist, those are the tickets you're hoping for. Um, do I think Biden's gonna? The problem is is that Biden is very choreographed right now. They're having to control mm-hmm. every word that comes out of his mouth. He's teleprompting everything yeah. because he has dementia. Right. Okay, and I got news for him. When he gets up there on the stage with Trump, Trump's gonna eat him alive. Oh yeah. Okay. Now, the more fun debate would be between Bernie and Trump. Is it this week that the uh, Democrats are debating issues about Biden and Bernie? I'm sorry? There's a debate coming up where it's just going to be Biden and Bernie. It's either going to be this week or next week. I think it's this coming up week, and... Biden could, the way I understand I'm, it I'm, is Gabbard is fighting to get on the stage 
Yeah. Why won't they let her on the stage? Joe Biden's camp is going to want her on that stage because you, Joe Biden cannot compose himself a two, for a two-hour debate unless they give him the questions, which they might do. Well, if if Gabbard's on that stage, I'm just going to tell you, with everybody else being out, if Gabbard's on that stage, she picks up a bunch of delegates next Tuesday. Yeah, I think so. I'm just, I'm just telling you. But Why I don't see they... if if all of Bernie's people desert him and stick with Joe. If all of Bernie's people desert him and stick with Joe, then all of Bernie's voters aren't going to go to the polls. Okay. And independents well, aren't going to vote for Biden. They did um, they did the demographics on Tuesday. And one of the reasons why uh, Bernie did so badly during Super Tuesday is because his vote state didn't go to the polls. That 18 to 20, that 18 to, uh, to 29 demographic wasn't there. Well, they never are, which is why as strategists, when you hear candidates go out there and talk about the young vote and all this, yeah, it's great to talk it up, but as a strategist, you don't ever count that vote. No. But that's the people that was that was funny. It's a lot of college kids who had the free education and the free this and that being preached by their high school and college teachers. Who just raised their hand? Me. Barbara, why are you logged in as me? Because you brought me in on the conference call. That doesn't matter. You're still logged in as me. When you're raising your hand, are you pressing the button on the phone? Yeah. Uh, That explains. Why are you raising your hand? I have a question. Okay. Why would why are they trying to stop uh, Gabby from getting on the stage? Um, I guess they see if she doesn't have any clear path to the nomination, and they don't want a brokered convention. We're gonna have one anyway. Oh, maybe. I don't understand how Bernie's face is not going to desert him. Listen, Bernie can be bought. And come October, don't be surprised if Bernie's flying around the country as his own little private jet. Maybe a G3. Give him a G5 or, or something like that. But look for uh, Bernie can be bought. Bernie talks a big game about socialism. But he's the most capitalistic SOB in the in the country, and oh, he yeah. could be bought. Well, I think that I do think Bernie can be bought. Number one, and number two, I think that's what. Well, I know that's what happened last year. Another thing to look at Hillary, Hillary the Democrats Obama. are gonna start the Democrats are gonna start the pitch of 
uh, when we when we get the Senate back, and Joe, um, Chuck Schumer is going to be the one cheerleading for this. When we get the, the, the Senate back, and who are going to put it to certain committees? Don't be surprised if you hear Chuck Schumer say, we're going to put Bernie Sanders on appropriations. He's going to be the chair of appropriations when he becomes when we, when, we, when we win the Senate back. That's where Bernie's going to be. So he can give you that free uh, college tuition. He can pay out your student loans. Well, appropriations well, is where it's at. Very interesting tonight that they reran the show with Mark Levin and Charlie Kirk, and it was an excellent episode. And they're saying, you know, don't take November for granted. Don't get that that has this one. They what now? He said, they both said, don't take the election in November for granted. Don't think that President Trump has this locked up. Who said that? And Mark Levin. Well, I agree with that. Complacency is a bad tool. Yeah. Because anything could happen. Well, that's true. I mean, people, people have to keep moving. Well, one of the right, gang, it is, that is the number of Republicans that went out and voted for Trump last Tuesday. For example, in Texas, there were more Republicans that went vote for Trump than for the three uh, candidates that were on the ballot still, or four on the ballot still. Uh, I did find that interesting when I read that article. I'm betting when it's all said and done, when all the primaries are over and you tally up both sides, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll make a prediction that the Republicans will have more votes from in the Republican primaries than the Democrats do. Now say that again. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. What I'm saying uh, that when the total, when the vote totals are are, are added up after the primary season. I'm betting that the Republicans will have more people who had voted than the Democrats. And yeah. I'm, I'm thinking you can thank Nancy Pelosi for that if that happens. Well, I don't understand how you say we can only win two seats in the Senate. Why? Why so low? The two senators are going to win. It's because of the states that that are going to be in, and and who is being who, the incumbents that are uh, running, and who is vulnerable. Well, they'll take right now. They'll, they'll take back Alabama. That are vulnerable. Mark they'll Meadows, take back Alabama. Well, who's the Congress? They'll take back Alabama. And what's the other one? Oh, Virginia. Well, no. most likely West Virginia. 
because he's up. Yeah, but the rumor mill has it. He may switch. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, Michigan, Idaho, Mississippi, North Dakota, Missouri, and Washington State vote this coming up Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So we'll see where that goes. All right. It's that time. Final thoughts. So any topic we didn't discuss that you'd like to take a few minutes and talk about, feel free to bring it up. Nick Salvini being special envoy, envoy to Northern Ireland. He does something to piss off President Trump is all I'm going to say about that. Either that or he wanted to go to Northern Ireland for a while. <laughs> which, uh, which, if I'm in a high-stress job like that, make a little extra money, go to Northern Ireland, yeah, be like Amanda, Lexi, Bella, Packy bag. Malachi. Wow. We'll throw Malachi on the top out. of the car. Time down. <laughs> that came out of left field. Wow. Yeah, but in Northern Ireland, I'm going to worry about it the IRA. Well, they've been kind of quiet. Make me the yeah. special envoy to Scotland. Better yet, make me the attache to Italy. I'd like to be the ambassador to Italy. Me and Mama could be eating some fresh, <laughs> fresh spaghetti. Oh, oh. oh, yeah, bread and olive oil. Roll down oh. the gondolas, you know. I mean, it would yeah, because like, yeah. there was a major coronavirus outbreak out in Italy. That's <laughs> in northern Italy, buddy. We'd be in southern Italy. Oh, this whole coronavirus. Listen, you catch coronavirus, you sneeze once, you cough twice, and that's it. It's over. You may have some jars, but other than that, you'll be okay. No, but they're and everybody. They're making everybody stay inside. Because they're stupid. Go to Sicily and change your name to Corleone. <laughs> it's, a, it's an overreaction. I truly believe that. Yeah. I didn't say wasn't. just saying. I don't want to go anywhere or they're going to make me stay inside. Yeah, did you see all the universities that are closing over here? Oh, that is, that's just playing into the fear factor. I've seen school systems doing that, too. Oh, They're like, during the damn well, case one in, in Seattle states, school the whole system. damn system should. It's Seattle that's closing down schools because of the people in the nursing home? Yeah. Oh, it's the liberal. The liberals are the ones that are, the Bernie bros are yeah. the ones that are pushing it. His Gail was yep. telling me about yeah. I mean, Tennessee does, it. Tennessee does it every year. I mean, the uh, outbreaks of flu. So Tennessee does this every year. Yes, but they only do it when attendance numbers hit so low because the state don't like to pay money. <coughs> so they shut her down and send her home. I was watching the, the local news where LSU is, is asking their professors to make a plan if you have to teleconference your classes in the case of a uh, outbreak. The funny thing is there's well, the not U- one case in, in Louisiana. Well, when the U.S. House of Representatives 
leaks, you know, oops, we leaked this on purpose, not on purpose, that yeah. they're going to be, they, they've got a plan in place to telecommute to work. <laughs> of course, everybody else is going to go into panic mode. What did they expect? Well, it's all, this is what's going to, this is what it sounds like that's going to happen. When you have all these Trump rallies and the thousands of people in a Trump rally, you're going to have cities that are going to say, well, no, you can't hold this Trump rally here because of the chance of coronavirus, just the chance of coronavirus. So that's going to take take away one of Trump's biggest uh, weapons, his ability to go out there and speak like that. Well, course, didn't he just hold a Trump rally? This is going to be over with. Well, not Trump Hall. They're laying the groundwork for a mass panic when the election really heats up. Oh, I, I've said from the beginning that I thought that this virus was a way for the Democrats to take down President Trump. Well, if, if I'm a, again, I put on my political strategist hat here. If I'm, if I'm working for the Democrats, I jump up and down for joy when this starts breaking like this. Mm-hmm. Literally, I'm like, finally a break. Let's go mm-hmm. after this guy. And I start mm-hmm. talking about how bad he's doing. It doesn't matter if he's doing good or not. I start talking about how bad he's doing. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I talk about how I talk about how my guy would have done better, whether my guy would have done better or not. Okay? Wow. And, and that's just how it goes. Welcome to Politics 101. Right. If you if you okay. watch now, people, people are at the point where they know the hypocrisy, they, they know the overblown and the uh, sensationalism, and the, the media is not having the effect that they want it to have. And you have all right. these people who are just turning off the news. And you, you have people like Dr. Uh, Dr. Drew who's like, Tell the media to shut the hell up about this because they don't know what they're talking about. It's backfiring right. in their face. And then we well, have the it is. vice president who are calm and composed, and they're doing everything that they're can that that in a positive light. <laughs> it's 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 just from matter of fact, I think you. Matter of fact, I think you have it, baby. Huh? I think you have it. <laughs> yeah, I told Amanda I had the coronavirus. She said, that's yeah, okay, man. honey. She said, that's okay, honey. I'll be your lime. I was like, yes. <laughs> Just wait till the Secchi virus comes. We all screwed. <laughs> the Secchi <Yeah>. virus. <laughs> the what right. virus? The, the Secchi. It's a beer. Oh. All right. Anybody else got a topic they want to bring up before we say goodnight, everybody? All right. Well, in that case, remember, you've got to stand for something. You'll fall for anything. Freedom isn't free. Thanks, soldier. Or without them, you know what? We wouldn't be able to do this, and we like doing this on most days. Uh, remember to thank the healthcare workers and healthcare providers around you because they oftentimes have a thankless job. On behalf of Ragtag Radio and Political Straight Talk. I have the Political Superman saying, have a good night, everybody. 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.